is up, everybody? How you doing? How you living? Austin Cunningham and Justin Treese coming to you today. Uh, we're going to jump right into this episode because Treese has something that he just needs to get off his chest. Leonard Fournette uh, was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He didn't get picked up on the waiver wire. Uh, now he's a free agent, and people are just trying to pinpoint where he's going to go. A lot of names being out there. It looks like the Patriots were interested earlier. It looks like the Tampa Bay Bucks are interested right now. Uh, people have been putting them to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those, I think that's a good fit. Trees has some thoughts, so let's just get right into it, dude. <laughs> I I just don't. Um, I think that the way the Steelers are running the ball, they want this one cut, go outside, be able to read a block and be able to cut inside or cut it outside. And if you watch Leonard Fournette, he doesn't do that. He just puts his head down and runs. Mm. And so when I think people say the Steelers, I think that they're just thinking this like hard-nosed Jerome Bettis style of offense when they they went away from that with Le'Veon Bell, and they've gone away with that with James Conner. Yes, I get the injury concern with James Conner, but still, James Conner two years ago was one of the best backs in the league. Last year was on pace for 1,300 yards before he got hurt and in a lot less touches than – for Nets 1,600 yards, and it took him 340 touches to get that 1,600 yards. Um, sure, I, get, I mean, when you have an injury-prone guy, I can get that, but I don't get the – I don't understand the argument that Fournette is a better scheme fit than James Conner is when Fournette doesn't – can't read blocks. I, that, that's why he hasn't been successful in the NFL. Do you think part of that's just because of poor blocking in Jacksonville where he's going to have better blocking or he would have better blocking in Pittsburgh? Because I think he would do great in Pittsburgh. Like, I think he would just they're going to be passing the ball so much more with Ben Roethlisberger. They have receivers set in stone. They're not just losing Antonio Brown out of nowhere. Uh, I think they I think that would be fine. Yeah, of course, he'll do better in Pittsburgh because that offensive line is better, but no, because there's been other backs that have come in and done fine. I mean, Yeldon had just had a bad attitude, so that's why he didn't get resigned. But Yeldon averaged more yards per carry. Uh, Armstead had a fantastic week 17, very, very small sample size. But, I mean, Fournette's a 4.0 yards per carry average guy. Like, that's not good. Four yard, how is four yards a carry not good, though? It's not good. You look at the average in the NFL of starting running backs. Everybody's above four yards per carry. Yeah, but if you're getting four yards a carry out of your running back, that's four, eight, 12 first down. That's not, that's not how it works though, right? Like, well, yeah, that, but I mean, like, look, let's look at, let's look at the Tennessee Titan game week three, for example, he had like 18 carries for like seven yards at one point, and then he busted off an 80-yard run, and so now all of a sudden it looks fine. It, you take away, you take away the the Broncos game last year where he ended up going for like 260 yards, his best game of his career. That number drops dramatically, his season average. Okay. And I don't know, like I don't like I'm not saying. Sure, I'm still saying, yes, he could be a great fit in Pittsburgh. And that's because that offensive line is great. 
My argument is he is not a better fit than James Conner in that offense. Where's the best landing spot for Leonard Fournette in your mind then? Like if you really have to think about it, the teams that we're hearing about, the Patriots, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Eagles. Eagles. How how is he in the Eagles but not the Steelers? Because the Eagles are more of a passing off. Like they're they're dumping the ball off to the running backs. Do you think Leonard Fournette does better in a role of catching the ball, or are you thinking that whenever he's in, it's just going to be we're running the ball up? No, I think that their head coach knows how to run a scheme where he runs running back by committee and he knows how to use guys to their best advantage. So I think that with the mixture of him and Scott and Miles Sanders, I think that is the best fit for him where he doesn't have to be the guy. I'm just saying that I think people are under, this isn't so much about Leonard Fournette. This is more about the, I think the disrespect of James Conner. Okay. So you're so it seems like you're reacting on if if he were to go to the Steelers, he would become running back one, but if he's with the Eagles, he stays in a backup role where he would do much better because they're going to handle the usage of running back one, Miles Sanders and him and running back two, but like I said, being in Pittsburgh it's as if it's just going to be the Leonard Fournette show with Big Ben and Juju and Deontay Johnson and all those guys. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that I don't think that would be the case. I think that James Conner is a better running back, but I think everybody else is saying that Leonard Fournette is a better running back than James Conner, and I don't okay. think that's the case. Is Miles Sanders a better running back than James Conner? Yes. But you would go into you would but everybody's argument for the Steelers is he Fournette is better so he would become the lead back and I'm saying he would not become the lead back and so why is why is that a good fit where then all of a sudden the Steelers have shown that they just play the hot hand at running back over the last since Bell has been gone because obviously Bell was just playing like ninety something percent of the snaps but in the two years that Bell's been gone they've played the hot hand. If it's James Conner, if it's Sam, yeah, the Steelers. So, but the Eagles, they are very good at playing running back by committee. And so that's why I think it would be a good fit with Fournette there, because then they can play the way that they do. And that's why they were so successful in their playoff run. They didn't have a number one back. It was guys like Jay Ajayi, and it was Darren Sproles, and it was whoever else was playing there. Um, Scott just, Scott wasn't on that team at that point. Pretty sure he was. Who was the kid I'm that caught sure the? Was. Who's the guy that caught the touchdown in the Super Bowl? I don't know. Maybe it was him. If it wasn't Scott, it was. I mean, if of course it wasn't Scott, it was somebody else. But right, right. Um. I don't know. But anyways, my my argument is I think that – and again, this has nothing to do with Fournette. It has to do with I think James Conner is getting disrespected as if he's not like a top 15 running back in the NFL. I'm not saying he's a top eight running back. I think he's middle tier, 
but I also think that Fournette is not a top 10 back either. So even though he got 1,600 yards last year, it's 340 touches. Um, and if you watched him play, you realized how many more yards he could have gotten if he had better vision and didn't want to just try to run at people. Okay, I'm trying to find this running back. But, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. I just wanted to, I wanted to hear your rant come out on a recorded podcast and not directly before I said, <laughs> all right, we're getting ready to record. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our episode, though. Therese Ibia, let's get into it. So, sorry, one second. Boston Scott, two years. So, he's played, he played in 2018 and 2019. So, that would mean he did not play in that Super Bowl. Because that was 2017. And of course, my computer can't run fast enough to just find a damn running back. I don't get (laughs) it. I don't get how when I need it the most, it just doesn't run. And it drives me literally insane. No, it really is the most frustrating thing when it's not working right when you need it. It it really is. Um, You're thinking of Corey Clement, though. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, see, so the Super Bowl run, they had Garrett Blunt, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement. Um, Sproles was hurt, so he didn't end up playing, but he they had Sproles most of that year as well. So they really did run a four running back type offense. So Leonard going there would be nice. Yeah, they'd get the power back, they'd get a receiving back, they'd figure it out. Yeah. So. Good find, good find there. But within this and our episode, I'm sure we'll find out where Leonard Fournette is at by the end of the week. I'm sure he's going to find a home by then, for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, speaking of that, just sorry, we're kind of just going everywhere on our rundown at this point. But funny you said that because we literally went on this tangent about Derwin James for 45 minutes last episode. We hung up, and as we were editing, we were still talking, and then the news broke that he was out for the year. So, um, huge, huge blow to that defense. Oh, massive, and just to his career as well. And it's one of those things where one of the best safeties in the league when he's on the field, but, I mean, like I say all the time here, the best ability is availability, and he just hasn't had it. Um, And, I mean, that sucks because I like watching him play football. When he came back last year for that defense, there was a real difference maker. I've said that numerous times as well here. Like, it just it sucks for Derwin James. And I hope we don't get to a point where we look back, you know, kind of like a Derrick Rose type situation. It's like, man, this guy was so good, so early in his career, was a difference maker, but he just couldn't stay on the field. You know, Derrick Rose couldn't stay on the court after he tore his ACL in a big game in the playoffs against the Miami Heat. Derwin James, I mean – this is going to sound awful. He can't get to the regular season. Like he can't even get out of training camp at this point without getting an injury. And it sucks because it just, it ha- it's happened two years in a row and it, he's going to have to stay mentally strong because this team's going to be moving on for the season. The fan base is going to be moving on. The focus isn't going to be on Derwin James. Something we heard J.J. Watt go through when he went on back-to-back years of injury. He was like, man, at one point I was defensive player of the year, and now it feels like everyone's forgotten who I was as a player. They've just given up on me. Hopefully Derwin James can stay mentally strong enough to get through that 
Not saying that he isn't mentally strong, but that's a tough situation to go in. I wouldn't want to go in it, that's for sure. So hopefully he can get through this quickly and heal quickly and come back and play. Uh, but he's definitely out for this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a big blow. Um, sucks to see. Um, all right. Okay. Now we can get back in on track here. So sorry for that. Uh, it just seemed like a good fit with what you were saying. Um, let's go into Trisipia since we did not do it last episode. Um, I'm going to give you one guess here. You get okay. this, I'll send you 50 bucks on your on one guess if you get it right. Okay. Okay. Um, last year, there was only one player that had 100 receiving yards and 100 rushing yards in the same game. Who was that player? 100 receiving and 100 rushing. Is this the obvious answer? I'm not going to give you any. I'm, we're betting $50 here. I'm not going to give you an, an, anything. So you can you can try to act if I'm playing mind games with you or not. I don't know if I am. There's only one way to find out. Anything. Um, Alvin Kamara. Nope. Guess again. Um, Dalvin. No, Joe Mixon. Nope. Christian McCaffrey. No. Uh, I was saying Dalvin Cook. I'm just going to throw that out there. Nope. Derrick Henry. Nope. Oh, my God. Todd Gurley. (laughs) No. Carlos Hyde. (laughs) <laughs> no, you want me to just tell you? Yeah. <laughs> um, Austin Eckler. Bullshit. He had a, a uh, no, I can't even say bullshit because I believe it. I believe it. It's like Drew Brees <laughs> threw him the ball, or not Drew Brees, excuse me. Philip Rivers just threw him the ball more than he did anybody else. It was like one, two, For three sure. steps. Where's Austin Eckler? There he is. Yep. For sure, for sure. So, um, I knew you'd like get a little flustered there on that because then it's like, ah, oh, I really want to just say Christian McCaffrey here because that's just <laughs> yeah. the obvious answer. Um, <laughs> so, that's exactly um, where my mind was. Was like, if I would have said Christian McCaffrey and you just said yes, I would have been so mad at myself. For sure. Um, have you watched Hard Knocks yet? Yes, I watched it this afternoon actually. Okay, so did I, because I was busy watching the Jazz lose last night. Um, what did you think of the it. episode? You do uh, have to see it. Very, very well done. I thought it was a great episode. Um, I love how they showed the players having those hard conversations, the coaches having those real conversations uh, with their with their teammates. Uh, Sorry, you gave me a weird look and it threw me off. I like the episode that it showed what was going on in this country and how the players and coaches both reacted to it um, and communicated and then found a way to make a plan um, and then went and took that to the media as well. I love the way that was portrayed uh, with inside the episode of the players and stuff. I thought it was interesting on – or not interesting, but it was more fun getting to see the Chargers have that uh, 
athletic competition on jumping over the dummies. Austin Eckler getting over five. That was a huge – I mean, it was taller than he was. Pretty impressed with it. Justin Herbert, though, man, it looks like those teammates are are loving what they're seeing there. And I know Hard Knocks can spin it to look that way all the time, but for him to have a bad practice and to come in and have a good one and his teammates to be like, ooh, look at number 10, like keep an eye out on 10, like that's the future of a franchise right there. Yeah, and I'm sure that they're just like, holy shit, look at this strong of an arm because we haven't had one of these in such a long time with – Philip Rivers getting older. He just doesn't have that strong of an arm. Tyrod doesn't. So they just probably aren't used to that either. But, yeah, you got to love that he recovers from a bad practice, right? Like that's, I feel like that was a lot of people's worry is, if, is he mentally tough enough during the draft process. Seems like it's going pretty well. So um, we'll be interested to see. They did announce, obviously, Tyrod is going to be the starter uh, week one, which was to be expected. Wasn't mm-hmm. any shocking news there. But um, going back to just the episode, um, I thought this was the most powerful episode of Hard Knocks in the history of Hard Knocks. And that's obviously not hard to say with everything that's going on, but I was just glued to it this afternoon, just like amazed on and honestly proud of HBO for showing everything, like not shying away from this, you know, like and again, they shied away from silly stuff like Antonio Brown last year. Right. Like they could have easily just done the same thing and just made it. Hey, let's just stick to football here and just like not do anything except for show guys at practice and people at their home and stuff like that. But they've not shied away from it on any of the episodes. Um, They've shown they've talked about it in every episode so far, and uh, I've loved it. So um, bravo HBO. And I think it's amazing. And Austin is on mute, so that's why no. we have a little second of quietness. Austin's not on mute. Austin's talking. Uh, <laughs> um, it definitely was, though, and I'm glad you brought that up because I started thinking that as I was watching it. was like, I think this is the first time I've watched in a Hard Knocks episode on HBO and was like, this is real. Like, the, like this is as real as it's getting. And I think they wanted, they always try to portray that in a way and spin it. Be like, man, this is like... This is something we got to focus on. Like, this is a good thing to do. But with this example that we're talking about and the things that were going on, they did it so well and they were able to capture so much about it. And that's what was so amazing to me uh, within this episode. But I also think it also it goes to my point of these guys that are filming this and recording it and planning it probably don't understand football too much. They just understand the production side of stuff. And how to put together a piece. Because for that moment to be as real as it was and to capture all of it, how are you not capturing the other, you know, and these are totally different examples. And I probably shouldn't even be men- like putting them together. But in a way, I think it makes sense on if you can capture a moment that real on every level of emotion and feelings that these players and coaches are having. How are you not doing that already within the players that are on the team and the conversations they have and moments they share within themselves and the coaching staff. And yeah, we see it at times, but it doesn't have that type of feeling like this one did. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. So moving on to our next topic here, and that's the Alvin Kamara drama. Uh, What a whirlwind last about 36 hours for him. Uh, So we talked about it last episode about how he had not shown up for three days. 
uh, tried to tell you all that it was uh, something with his contract, and lo and behold, it is. Uh, he says that he wants a deal. He says he wants Christian McCaffrey money, and the Saints wanted to give him more like Derrick Henry type money. So that's where the difference was. All of a sudden, it's the Saints want to trade him. I think that's probably more just talk than anything based on his attention. Um, I think it worked because he was back at practice today. And not only that, him and the head coach and GM sat down and had a very good conversation, it sounded like. And it sounds like there could be a deal done in the next week for him. I just don't like the way this was handled at all. If this is most likely coming from the Saints to Josie's or uh, Josina Anderson, excuse me, on the report to come out and be like, oh, the Saints are possibly interested in trading Alvin Kamara. I mean, why even put that out there if all this is is contract negotiations? That's so shitty. Like, you're getting to go on one last run for a Super Bowl and you need to get his attention so, so he'll lower his number for a contract? Get the fuck out of here. Like, you need him more than anything because after Drew Brees leaves, who are you going to have besides Michael Thomas for a young rookie quarterback? Uh, or Jameis Winston, if he, excuse me, somehow becomes the guy next year, because this is Drew Brees' last year. It just is. After this, he is going to go call Notre Dame games for NBC, and that'll be it for Drew Brees' NFL career. Within Alvin Kamara, if you don't like the negotiation tactics, it sounds like you weren't even talking to him or his agent about it too much. Go back to them and talk. But to put that out there and then come back and be like, oh, we had a good conversation we're going to get the, the contract figured out here in the next week. I just – I hate that. I don't like it for Kamara. I don't like it for the Saints, and I just think it's messed up. Yeah, I 100% agree. It sucks. It really does. So um, one thing that doesn't suck, though, is the way the Bengals handled the Joe Mixon stuff. Uh, yeah. They just got shit done. So they go in. They get him on a four-year deal. Averaging out about $12 million per year, uh, four-year, $48 million. Fantastic deal on both sides. Mixon gets paid a lot of money, and it's still, honestly, a pretty team-friendly deal. And then the Bengals, they get, they get what they need, right? They get their running back, who's a very, very good running back, right behind a, a rookie quarterback, an aging A.J. Green, but they do have some younger guys there um, opposite of A.J. Green. So this offense is set. I mean, they got some young guys at linemen. They probably still could use a a few more. But now you're going to have guys like Boyd, and you're going to have maybe a Ross, right? You have T. Higgins, and then you got Burrow, and then you got Mixon. You have your athletes and your playmakers set up for a very long time. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's what just makes this so great for Mixon is because they don't really have anybody else to pay right now. So this isn't that big of a deal paying on the offensive side of the ball. I like it. I like what the Bengals have done. That's nice. Um, moving on, though, Mohamed Sanu has been released by the New England Patriots. Oh, boy, who I mean, where does he go? Like there's the 49ers could use a receiver. That's a big one. But outside of that. I don't know what team is going to be looking for a Muhammad Sanu type of guy uh, to come be on their team because it didn't look like he did much or helped out much when he was in New England. Yeah, not at all, right? So he, they ended up trading him for a second-round pick for half of a year. 
And I think he had like 300 receiving yards or something like that for a second round pick for half of a year. Um, Just such a bad deal. And um, I think the, the pick that it ended up being because the Ravens traded up, but it ended up being for JK Dobbins. So uh, Patriots basically traded Sanu for JK Dobbins is a, is one way to look at it. Um, so yikes there. That's a, that's big time. Yeah. Um, I do like the 49er fit because he's very familiar with Kyle Shanahan though. So I actually do like that quite a bit. Um, I was also thinking Washington could be a fit just to get another veteran in there, try to help out uh, Dwayne Haskins a little bit. Yep. Um, I'm just trying to think of like who else really could Jets. be like that vet wide receiver. Jets could for sure, for sure. Yeah. It, it's just tough, man. Like eight days before the season, it's it's just hard to understand like who could and like where could he go in and like truly make a difference. I, I no. I'm going to, st- I'm not stealing it from you. I'm just agreeing with you. I think that the Niners are the best fit because he already knows the offense. So he can just go in there and just do his thing. Exactly. Let's just get a little refreshers, bam, ball, let's play. Uh, I mean, especially since they've lost Debo Samuel and, you know, Iuk might not be playing to start the year. And those are probably their starting guys. Um, Dwayne Haskins and Tyra Taylor were named the starters yesterday. Uh, so the Los Angeles Chargers and the Washington football team know who their starting guys are. I wonder if Haskins could keep this job the whole year or if at some point the the Washington football team's kind of like, oh, man, this just isn't the guy. Like, he's not going to be the guy for me. Uh, that's something we'll have to see. And then with Tyrod Taylor, my question is, how long are you truly the starter before things just start to fall apart? Yeah. Yeah, Tyrod's the one, right? So, like, I actually think Haskins is going to be the guy. Um, once this got announced, I kind of started looking into it um, towards the end of the year, uh, all of his stats, because I do remember last year us even saying Haskins was starting to play better towards the end of the year. So, went in, and I looked at his last four games he played. He didn't play Week 17. So, the last four games, he was completing six. 63% and was on a five to one touchdown to interception risk. So that's pretty impressive, uh, especially with the weapons that he had last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that given he was only thrown for about 180 yards per game. So it's not like he was um, throwing it down the field a lot, but he was nickel and diamond, diamond, you know, maybe he gets a little bit more confidence this off season to start spreading out the field a little bit. No, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Uh, it looks like Tyler Decker gets a six-year, $85 million deal, while Riley Reef takes a pay cut. Uh, Teresa, is there anything more you want to add to that? Um, good for Riley Reef, I guess. Um, I would not have taken a pay cut. Uh, I think that there are not very many good, good left tackles or even average left tackles, and I think Reef is one of them. And to take a pay cut is kind of a big deal. And I know that they're trying to make money for Dalvin and for Yannick now, but I don't know. I, me personally, I wouldn't have taken a pay cut there. I think that you're not, it's not like you're a running back or a linebacker where you're like, we can find these guys. Like left tackle is a very, very hard position to play. You deserve to get paid top dollar if you're good at it. 
I mean, I agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, guess nice move morally though for him. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and get into the heat and heart of our episode today, and that is fantasy football talk. Plenty to get into, but Treese, man, I know you're excited for this. I'm just, I'm literally tagging along in this episode. Wherever you lead us, I'm right there with you, man. Uh, all right, cool. So I am excited for it. I'm a big fantasy guy. So let's talk about just rankings here. So um, we can just get in position by position. So let's start off with quarterback here. Um, I think it's very safe to say that the top three go Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. Those are the top three. Um, there will be people that take Patrick Mahomes ahead of Lamar Jackson. And that is fine. I, For fantasy purposes, I would not because it's something like even if Lamar Jackson took away, it was something like 30-something percent of his points last year, he still would have been quarterback one. So like, even if he goes and doesn't have as good of a year next year, he's still going to be up there. Uh, it's just too valuable with the running game. So um, I think that that's great. Followed by that, you got guys like Russell Wilson, you got Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, um, and then you kind of get into the unknown area. Uh, you get Josh Allen, who's been a fantastic fan- fantasy guy just because his rushing touchdowns. Um, and then you get guys that are going to pass the ball a lot. You got guys like Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. You're going to get those type of guys. Uh, Cam Newton should be up there as long as he's going to get started. I think that Daniel Jones is a great late-round flyer. I think that he's probably going to struggle. To, we've talked about this before. Uh, I think he struggles the first half of the year. Uh, I think that this, their schedule is very tough, but I think it eases up, and I think that he could be kind of that – Ryan Tannehill of last year for fantasy purposes, maybe not in real life, but uh, second half of the year, guys pick him up and he can, he can lead you to uh, a deep playoff run. So that's kind of my thoughts on the quarterback position. Um, I'm very high on Matt Ryan this year just because I think that he's going to probably lead the NFL in passing attempts. And uh, I'm a big believer in volume um, for fantasy. Like, I'm, I'll take guys that I think that are a little bit less talent, talented-wise um, if the guy below him is just going to get more carries and more volume. So um, that's my opinion. For example, uh, I took Joe Mixon over Miles Sanders in my fantasy draft, and uh, I love Miles Sanders. But I also think that, again, I think that Doug loves to run – multiple running backs and i know that they don't have anybody right now but i could see them picking somebody up by middle of the season and run running back by committee when you know cincinnati is going to be feeding joe mixon the ball over and over and over again so um going back to quarterback though because i don't want to take over this whole thing i want you to have your input here so um who do you have as your top quarterbacks here um i'm gonna go lamar jackson patrick mahomes um and then russell wilson I don't think there's any reason for Russell Wilson to not have a big year. I mean, we've seen what he can do year after year. Kyler Murray is another name that belongs up there. They're going to be able to spread the ball around. Kenyon Drake, DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. Doesn't matter who your tight end is. 
because he's probably not getting the ball, but that's okay because when you have three receivers that you can trust, Andy Isabella is another one who name needs to be mentioned, who uh, it sounds like is having a fantastic camp. Uh, but with Russell Wilson, I mean, he's going to make plays on the run and with his arm, and the dude throws touchdowns. I mean, fuck, that's just what he does. I like Matt Ryan. Another name I want to throw out there, though, is Tom Brady. That dude's got weapons all over the field. All over the field. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, running back-wise. I don't think he's passing to the running backs much, and there's no need to when you have O.J. Howard and Gronk as your tight ends as well. I mean, shit, go have fun with that, Tom Brady. Go sling the ball down the field to a big, tall receiver that can jump up and get it. And then once they catch it, good luck trying to tackle them because they're so elusive and strong running with the ball. You're not having to dump it off to Julian Edelman, hoping to God that you can just get seven yards of play all the way up the field. You might be hardly on the field this much. With this team, you pound the rock a couple times, have the defense come in, bam. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, see you later. See you next trip out here. I'm just I'm excited for what Tom Brady's going to do in that offense in Tampa with Bruce Arians. And then Drew Brees, I've said it before, this is his last dance. I think he goes out with a bang. Emmanuel Sanders being on offense and his precise route running, I think helps out Drew Brees as well, knowing that, all right, when I get to this point, I know Emmanuel Sanders is going to be right here. And if they're re-signing Alvin Kamara, if he can stay healthy, there's more targets for him. But within that, those are the quarterbacks that I am myself have kept an eye on uh, throughout these fantasy draft pro- uh, processes that I've been through. Nice. Yeah, totally agree with those. Um, moving on to running backs. So it's you have to take Christian McCaffrey number one. Like if you believe that he can repeat it or not, you have to. It's just the safest thing. Um, I do love Saquon this year. Uh, I don't do snake drafts. I do auction drafts. So like, I never have to worry about like, do I, what pick I have, but I will say like, if if I had number one, like it would be hard for me to skip out on Barkley, but like, I'd have to take McCaffrey. Uh, if I had picked two, it'd be Barkley all day, every day, Zeke at three. And then you kind of get into that territory of like, what do you do once you're at four? Cause then you guys got, you got guys like, Alvin Kamara, you got Derrick Henry, you got Dalvin Cook, you got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, I think that those are kind of the four that are in there, and you could even throw Mike Thomas into that mix as well. Those are kind of like those next five tiers, and then you have another tier with guys like Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, uh, Nick Chubb, Devontae Adams. Like I, I'd probably consider that tier two, or sorry, tier three, um, and then later on. But um, sticking to running backs here. Um, you and I have talked multiple times here, and sorry, I don't know if you have any more drafts left, but maybe people, maybe you do, and uh, we're going to throw some stuff off for you here. But um, I'm just a big believer in going running back, running back uh, this year. I just think there's so much depth at wide receiver that if you miss out on these top running backs, you're going to be panicking sometime in your draft. So let's say that you have pick seven, right? Seven, you take, say, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And then you come back around, you got pick somewhere in that, like whatever that's going to be, 15 range if it's 12. Then you take a Aaron Jones type, um, even a Josh Jacobs. I like Aaron Jones more just because he's going to get more ca- pass catches. Um, Kenyon Drake, that type of area, though. Uh, Austin Eckler, even. So like if you can get those two, and then all of a sudden you go into wide receivers for you know round three and four, you can get guys like... Amari Cooper, you can get Allen Robinson, you can get Juju, you can get 
Calvin Ridley. You can get a Chris Godwin. You can get a Mike Evans, right? Like you get all of those guys in round three uh, more often than not. So that's my strategy. Um, just before I let you dive in here, just talking about some later round guys that I really like. Um, I do like getting J.K. Dobbins late. Uh, I love getting James White late. I think that the way that their offense is going to go, James White is going to be the Christian McCaffrey to uh, Cam Newton if he's playing, if he's the one playing quarterback. And if not, it's going to be a guy that's never played in the NFL before that's going to probably be dumping it off a ton. So I, I love James White. Um, Ronald Jones, as long as Fournette doesn't go there, uh, I think Ronald Jones is going to be the guy. Uh, I love Chase Edmonds. I think that he's still going to have a role, even if Drake is the leader there. Um, I You could probably say that about guys like Zach Moss and Philip Lindsay as well. I still think Philip Lindsay gets some carries uh, even with Gordon there. So um, those are some guys I like. Uh, obviously, Kareem Hunt is a very popular name. Uh, I've tweeted out a ton that like I like David Johnson as a fantasy player this year. Again, pure volume. Uh, there's something like 250 touches gone from that team between carries from Hyde and receptions, realistic receptions from uh, Nuke being gone. I think he's just going to be a volume guy. I mean, I think you're exactly right on that. Uh, two other names I want to throw out there for running backs, Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley. Uh, I mean, those guys coming off questionable years on – Todd Gurley being injured, Le'Veon Bell not being as productive as you would hope. Um, I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be the workhorse there in New York. They really don't have anyone else to get the ball to. He seems very focused this year, which is good because there's no contract negotiations. There's no other noise from the media. It, it looks like anything that might be going on with the head coach doesn't seem to be there this year, which is great. And then Todd Gurley. I mean, dude, whether it's running or receiving, it's everything is going to be so open for him to get so much yardage because teams are going to have to respect Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, uh, probably the two best receivers in the league. I mean, this, excuse me, the Bucks could definitely be in that argument as well. But when you look at those two in the route running and how good they are after catching the ball, I mean, Matt Ryan's going to have himself a hell of a year. So back to quarterbacks, Trace, I'm right there with you on that. But Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell, Names that you might be like, ah, man, they you know, haven't been able to trust in the last couple of years. This might be the year where you get to because Todd Gurley is going to, hey, we're going to run you until the wheels fall off. And there's a huge possibility that we do good this year. Uh, and word from campus, Todd Gurley looks great. I think we heard that last year as well. I'm kind of into it, though, for fantasy. When you, If you get to a point where you did go receiver early and you come back to running back and there's no one else here and you got Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Todd Gurley sitting on the board – I wouldn't be so scared this year. And then receiver-wise, let's just go ahead and get into that. Um, I mean, the top guy, of course, is Michael Thomas. Um, but once you get to that point, it's like, okay, what are you, what are you looking for? Because there's a lot of big names on this list, but you have to understand the point of who's going to be getting me the most targets, who's going to be getting the most receptions, who's going to be doing the most. DeAndre Hopkins is ranked number two on ESPN. Trees, this is something we've talked about off-air when going in on our drafts. There's no reason for him to be this high because who knows if he's seeing this many targets. And this isn't uh, Houston anymore. You have Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, you have Christian Kirk. Kyler Murray's going to be able to spread the ball around. It's not just going to be all DeAndre Hopkins again. If it is, though, I'm going to be very surprised. But 
those the ball is going to be spread around in this offense. Devonta Adams, Julio Jones definitely belong up there. Tyreek Hill is a guy I love. The Chiefs. I'm a massive Chiefs fan. I don't think I drafted any Chiefs players outside of Clyde Edwards-Helaire, uh, just because I know the ball is going to be spread around so much in this offense, target-wise between Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, and the ball is just going to be all over the place. This offense is going to be so deadly that it's going to be hard to know which player gives you consistent high points as a starting receiver on your team. Yeah, I totally agree. And yes, we have talked about Hopkins. Like I think I have him ranked seventh or eighth out of my running or wide receivers. So for sure, don't have him at two like ESPN does. Um, that that position number two belongs to Devonte Adams because of again pure volume. They didn't draft any other wide receivers. It's going to be the Devonte Adams show. And um, as we said during our breakdown, they're not going to be able to run the ball as well, and it's going to be a more shootouts. And so they're going to be passing the ball quite a bit. Um, you kind of talked about all those top guys, so I'll just move down to the later guys uh, in those mid-tiers that I've been talking about. But guys like even Terry McLaurin, I think Odell could bounce back with the type of offense they're doing. You got guys like Tyler Lockett and Cooper Cup. Robert Woods is Mr. Unsexy. Uh <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, oh, you took Robert Woods, and then he ends up being like a top 12 to 15 wide receiver by the end of the season. You're like, oh, shit, he actually was really, really good. Um, DJ Chark is going to be solid. Uh, Stefan Diggs could be solid. Uh, Michael Gallup is a, a guy that's going super late that you could just steal. Like, I'm all in on the Cowboys offense. I think that they're going to just have a very good year, and I got all, all, all pieces of that. Um, another guy with the Rager injury. I'm all in on Deshaun Jackson late. I think Deshaun Jackson's going to have a, ma- a monster year. Uh, I like A.J. Green because he's going so late because he's burned everybody for two years that he's going so late or so cheap that you can get him for practically nothing. So I love that. Um, Henry Ruggs and Braylon Edwards, now that Terrell Williams is out for the year, those two are going to own that Raiders wide receiver group. So Love that. Uh, John Brown all of a sudden is getting disrespected just because Stefan Diggs is there. Uh, you can take him super late. Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to think of who else. I think Hardman's so hard because I really want to take Hardman in, in my league. And then it was like, what do you do with Hardman? Because he really is like Tyreek's backup, right? Like he, Like even if Sammy Watkins goes down – Say he goes down with an injury, it's going to be Robinson that picks that takes his spot, right? It's not going to be Hardman sliding in. That's not his position. So Hardman's a tough one for me. He obviously has huge upside with that speed and everything. It's just I just don't think you're going to get very many chances with him. So there's that. Um, Paris Campbell actually is uh, him and Curtis Samuel are my two super late guys. So Curtis Samuel is moving into that role of like short short yardage that so they're letting uh, Robbie Anderson be the deep guy, uh, that middle tier route, that's going to be DJ, DJ Moore. And then you got Curtis Samuel running the short routes, the drag routes, and that's Teddy's game. So I love that. And it just sounds like Paris Campbell has stolen that number two job ahead of Michael Pittman. And uh, I expect big things from Paris Campbell. I, I mean, I think you're right in all those. I do have a quick question for you uh, real quick, though. Um, within the later rounds of the draft, you get to a point where these receivers, and you're kind of like, ooh, which one can I trust the most? And out of these guys, it's Marquise Brown, 
AJ Green, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, you know, is is guys that you know that are in the league. And then Emmanuel Sanders is there as well in veterans. But you're also at this point, you're like, okay, there's a lot of young guys that are available as well. Depending on upside or, you know, consistent success that you'll find here, are you looking at a Tyler Boyd over a Brandon Cooks, you know, a Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson over those guys, and a Jamison Crowder where they're all here in the mix? Um, and then you you get further down the list, and it's like, okay, wait. I got Jerry Judy. I got Curtis Samuel. I got Robbie Anderson, Justin Jefferson, Golden Tate. There's a mixture of old and young guys. But when you get further down the list here in the receiving for the receivers in the draft where you want to have this depth, um, what would you rather have? Would you rather have these older guys uh, that you've kind of figured out where they're at on points and what the role is? Or do you go for the younger guys in the upside that's there? Yeah, that's actually a fantastic question. So what I am doing, so usually I go for the high upside guys. I go for the younger guys and whatnot. But this year, just because of no, you know, obviously we had a full training camp, but we didn't have all the mini camps and whatnot. I'm going a lot. I found myself going, trying to go for guys that have been in an offense the longest. So like a Will Fuller, I love, right? Um, uh, I given I say that, but Curtis Samuel is in a new offense and a new quarterback, but it's he switched positions, so that's why I'm in love with him. Paris Campbell's been in that offense. Yes, it's a new quarterback, but he's been in the offense. He understands everything like that. So I I really am finding myself trying to lean towards guys that have been in those offenses. Tyler Boyd, another thing, got a new quarterback, but. Again, same offense. Again, Deshaun Jackson, I think, is great. Uh, Jamison Crowder should be good. Uh, I I will say I did want Brandon Cooks. I didn't get him um, just because I think that Watson's just so good at passing the ball deep that I think Cooks is just prime for a couple of big, get big games there. So I would say that I do like the guys that have been in the offense for a while, for multiple years, over rookies. And it's weird because this rookie wide receiver core is just so, so talented. And I'm honestly, I'm probably going to miss out, right? I'm going to miss out on a couple of rookies just going off, but I'm, I'm just trying to play it where I think that there's going to be guys that have guys that have been, I would say average, like a Will Fuller in the past really boom because of the lack of off season from other, um, from the rookies. So you would much rather take a Christian Kirk, a Preston Williams, a Mike Williams, um, Robbie Anderson, McCole Hardman over a Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs uh, in the later rounds just because you're wanting that experience. So even within that, those rookies that I listed, a Brandon Ayuk, would you take those guys over a Nikhil Harry, who we've already seen in that offense, but it's also kind of like a – How's it going to be with Cam Newton or Jared Stidham as your starting quarterback? Yeah, I do like Nikhil Harry. Uh, I think he's one of those guys that I could see. Um, you did name a few guys that I just don't really like just previously there. So there are some rookies that I would take over those guys um, just because like a Henry Ruggs, right? Like I think that he's just going to get a lot of volume. So um, I would take him, but I, I like Nikhil Harry. Um, again, another year in that offense and it's a complicated offense, but they just don't have any other weapons, especially with Sanu now gone. Like, you know it's going to be Edelman and Harry at this point. It's the Edelman, Harry, and James White show. Like, it's those three. That That's your offense. 
Wait, you said who? Edelman, Harry, and who? James White. Not Sonny Michelle. No, no, I I don't like Sonny Michelle this year. I think that Damian Williams has a chance to to split the carries with him. And again, I think that they're going to be down in a lot of games, and they're not going to be having those two be pass catchers. It's going to be the James White show. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. That is for sure. Uh, let's get into tight ends real quick because this is a position that's very interesting to me in terms of value. <clears throat> Outside of George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, there's a massive drop-off, even with Zach Ertz. Like, yeah, you're going to get the the reception parts of his game. But then once you're at that point, it's like, well, fuck, who else is here? You know, and I get excited for young tight ends and who to pick up because, I mean, I pay attention a lot to tight ends uh, just because it's always interesting on who might be the next big guy. So, like, last year I thought, I thought it was going to be Mike Gusecki. Didn't really pan out that well, mainly because the Dolphins were just a freaking shit show. I'm sticking this year, though, on tight ends. If I get to the later rounds, and I and I obviously miss Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Zach Ertz, I'm not looking at a Mark Andrews or an Evan Ingram. I am looking at Tyler Higby, Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, and Mike Gusecki, and I'm also going to throw in uh, the Lions guy, Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson, uh, coming off an injury last year, then second year, I, I just expect a big season out of those four or five guys that I just mentioned. Because in those offenses, they're going to be dropping the ball off. They're going to be you know young quarterbacks in there as well uh, who just need to get the ball out of their hands quickly. And so that's where it comes into the Tyler Higby, the Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki, and then like I said, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fan. Those guys are going to be big parts of those offense. Don't want to miss out on those points, especially if you're in the later rounds looking for a tight end. You're like, oh, shit, top five guys are gone. Yeah, I totally agree. So, again, it is for sure Travis Kelsey and George Kittle up at the top. I do have Mark Andrews as third above Ertz. Uh, I think that Goddard really takes a step forward this year. I actually drafted Goddard in my in my draft. Uh, but I, want, I really do want no part of Andrews, Ertz, Waller, Ingram, Higby, Cook. I just and Austin Hooper. I don't want any part of that. Like I'd rather take another running back or another wide receiver in those middle rounds and wait until the end of the draft. Uh, I love the Hunter Henry. I love TJ Hawkinson, uh, Hayden Hurst. Um, I'm not going to have any shares in Noah Fant. Um, I just think that there's a lot of weapons there. So, um, but again, Goddard, Jarwin, um, a, two sneaky pickups that I love. Two guys, Chris Herndon with the Jets. And Ian Thomas with the Panthers. I think those two have huge potential with the style of offense that those offenses go and how much they're going to be down and how many garbage time points they're going to get. I love those two late. Damn. What about uh, Janu Smith with Tennessee? Yeah, I – I mean, he had a very good year, right, uh, towards the end of the year once they really got away from uh, Walker. So, yeah, Janu Smith for sure should be up there. I would have him underneath um, all the guys we have mentioned. But, like, I do I do like – I'd have him and Irv Smith kind of similar, right? Uh, I think the Vikings run a lot of two tight end sets. So I think Irv Smith has a lot of potential to really step up and get some yardage as well. Perfect. 
Uh, let's go ahead and just slide on over to defenses. I don't think kickers, I mean, hell, good luck trying to figure that out on who's going to be good and who's not. Teresa, I don't even think you play with kickers in your league. I wish my league was kind of that way. Uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, this is kind of fun, like, looking at this. And if I can get my damn shit to load, uh, it would be a lot easier to discuss. So here we go. Defensive-wise, teams that I'm really high on, of course it's going to be the Steelers. Mika Fitzpatrick having a full offseason there. Teresa, this is something we've heavily discussed. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Wow. What a team. They've straight up built that. Now, they did have some guys step out and step down for the season uh, due to COVID. Totally understand and respect that. I still think the Bills are going to be good. Another defense that I'm kind of looking at, the AFC West. I think the uh, the Chargers are going to be good. I think the Broncos are going to be good uh, defensive-wise and are kind of getting overlooked. But within those teams and, of course, the Saints, those are probably my top defenses that I'm really looking at. I think it's going to be hard for the 49ers to repeat. They lost, you know, losing Buckner on that defensive line is going to hit a lot harder than I think some people realize. And I really think that Super Bowl hangover is going to be present for the 49ers, too, uh, that I believe we've discussed. I'm really high on the Steelers, Ravens, Bills, though, uh, on defenses and the Saints and the Saints. Yeah, agreed. So Steelers and Ravens and Chargers were my top three heading into the draft. Uh, my draft, at least, which was last weekend. Again, Derwin James going out now kind of drops them down, but I still drafted them. Um, and then you didn't mention them, but I'll mention them. I think the Chiefs. I think that they have. I think they have potential, uh, especially with them having to the the quarterbacks that they're going to face twice. Derek Carr, uh, uh, sorry, Locke, and then whoever's playing for the Chargers. I think that I think they have real potential to get after those quarterbacks and cause a lot of chaos. And that's six of the sixteen games, right? So um, I do like the Chiefs as well as kind of a sneaky sneaky pickup. And then I hate my life. Uh, the Titans. I, oh. I think the Titans also. Are, very, very good pickup. Um, we talked about it during the uh, AFC South rundown. I, I think that this, I just think that this team is like that bend but don't break, and they're gonna make some plays. So Titans as well. Um, I mean, you could also say the Vikings now that they have Yannick and Gakwe. Uh, Vikings could be up there as well. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you did it. You, you've you been praising the Titans. It's like the third time you've done it. I know. I'm sick to my stomach right now. Um, yeah, it's not great. But um, that's what I would say about the defenses. Again, like most of the time, and honestly, unless you have the Ravens or the Steelers, I think that you're just streaming defenses week to week anyways um so it is what it is for me on defenses and you're right i don't play as a kicker with kickers on our team or um, in our league it's fantastic it was the best choice we ever made about six years ago uh never go back to it and so i literally don't even have a single word to say about kickers <laughs> i don't either so uh i think that's it <laughs> <laughs> perfect all right so Guys, thanks for uh, joining us today for the fantasy episode. I had a lot of fun with it. I like to slur my words there for a minute, so that's fun. Um, Just a reminder, we do have a Madden League that is going to be starting up on Sunday. The, what is that, the 5th, I believe? 
is it Sunday the 5th? Yep, uh, 6th. I'm sorry, Sunday the 6th. So be sure to uh, hit us up on Twitter if you want to join. It is a PS4 league. Uh, we have quite a, bot, a bit of spots filled. I think we're about 18 to 20, somewhere in that area. So it should be a good time. Uh, you just pick a team, and then we're going to play one game a week. Once you face the human that you do, you wait until the next week, and then we advance and move forward. So um, a lot of fun. Um, and I think that does it for us tonight. So we got two episodes next week, and then we got some football. So super excited. We are literally eight days away from the moment we're recording till football starts a week for those of you that are listening to us on the day we release uh austin how excited are you for opening sunday or opening thursday for you dude i'm i can't wait like the ring ceremony was uh took place last night for the chiefs those rings look absolutely beautiful uh they played a hype video at the end uh, for a running back series that's kind of what the motto has been for the chiefs this year um since winning and dude it had me ready to just run through a freaking wall uh but instead i played madden and got upset so we're back to doing that uh but man i'm I'm pumped i'm pumped for the nfl season to be here i'm ready to see this chiefs offense um and who's going to explode and and really just what they do because i think on both sides of the ball man another year with this coaching staff no one left man it's it's going to be hard uh to just not be super overly confident in every game the Chiefs play unless shit just hits the fan quick. I'm I'm more excited for this year as a Chiefs fan than I was last year, honestly. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. Uh, I'm excited to watch them just because they're so much fun to watch. So, and my team's going to win like two or three games this year. So it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of me watching other people's games. Um, I won't ruin my streak of 14 straight years of not missing a single game though. So I'll keep that up. I'll make it 15. So, um, but that does it for us tonight. We appreciate all you guys. Football's back. And uh, tonight we've been talking football. 